Hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. You're watching Legacy Television. We're glad to have you with us on the broadcast today. In just a few minutes, we're going to get into the Word of God together. We've been in a series here at Legacy Church talking about the fire and the glory, the power and the presence of God. We want to share some of this with you today. Before we get into that, let me talk to you for just another minute about the plan to expand. Now, if you've been with us over the last several weeks in these broadcasts, you've heard me talk about the plan to expand. And I believe that's something the Lord is directing this local church family in. And those of you who are part of our global partner family, you're aware of this as well. In Isaiah chapter 54, in verse 2, the Bible says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Listen to verse 3. For you shall expand. You, I'm talking to you now, you shall expand. If, if expansion is not on your mind, then you're not thinking big enough. If expansion is not in your heart, you're not believing big enough. God's always got expansion and enlarging on his mind. He said, you will expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. He's talking to us right now, this local church with a global call about his plan for us to expand. And as a church, we're expanding in three different places. And let me make you aware of this. We're expanding inside we're expanding outside, and we're expanding worldwide. There is roughly 13,000 square feet left in this building that still needs to be expanded, enlarged, remodeled, and we're making room for the families that are coming. We're already growing so much to the place where we've got to make some more room inside the building. We've also got to make some more room outside the building. We need some more parking. We need to put in some turn lanes on the highway to get people safely into the church. There's a lot of expansion that needs to take place, but in in addition to expanding inside and outside, the Lord's talking to us about expanding worldwide. Legacy Church is a local church with a global call. And part of our worldwide reach is what you're watching right now, Legacy Television. And this has been a ministry and an arm of ministry for Sarah and I for a number of years. But man, I sense it on the inside. The Lord's saying, now's the time to enlarge it. Now's the time to expand it. We've got an assignment to serve our generation worldwide with the Word of God. And so that's what we're doing right now is making plans to expand inside, outside, and worldwide. And notice he said that you will expand to the right, to the left. That's right there around you. But then he began talking to him about the nations. Your descendants will inherit the nations. So right now I want you to get expansion on your mind and in your heart. What's God called you to expand into? Is it something right around you? Is it the expansion of your home or your family? Is it the expansion of your business or your ministry? But are you also thinking worldwide? Amen? Let's get into the Word together, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. Go to the book of 2 Chronicles, and if that's hard to find, we'll put it on the screen. But we've been looking at this verse together for the last number of weeks, and getting ready for dedication weekend, and so excited about it. So excited about it. I said, so excited about it. (laughs) There you go. And we're looking here in the Old Testament um, 
to their dedication weekend. Uh, they had a dedication of the temple, and it's hard not to try to say everything there is to say that the scripture says about this, but man, what a time they had. David, King David, got, got it in his heart so big, I want to build God a house. We've talked about it some before, but let me remind you, he was walking around his house one day looking at how God had blessed him and the beauty of his house. And he got, he got kind of frustrated by it. It's like, man, it's not good. I have this palace and God lives in a tent. He said, no, I'm building him a house. But the Lord spoke back to him through the prophet and he said, no, you're not going to. And uh, he said some things to him that I imagine were difficult to hear. The Lord talked to him. He said, you know, you've been involved in a lot of war. And there's been a lot of bloodshed. And I can't let you build it. He did tell him, though, I'll let you get ready for it. I'll let you prepare for it. And I'm so excited because that's next week's message. (laughs) But man, he, he prepared. And I got to correct something I've been saying to you. I was studying this again, and I thought, man, I I got this wrong. I've been telling you that David and others invested hundreds of millions of dollars into that temple. I was wrong. It's billions. Billions. And not just one or two. I kind of tremble at even telling you what the numbers translate to when you look them up. Because it's hard for us to even wrap our mind about it, but what you, wrap, wrap our mind around it. But what you need to understand about it is that was all heart coming out. I know it looks like a bunch of money, but it, more than a bunch of money, it was heart. His heart for God, his heart for the things of God. And he said, okay, I can't build it, but I can, I can give you some money for it. I can receive the offering. I can collect And David personally, personally gave $6 billion to the building of the temple, the house of the Lord. Now listen to me, you can't buy a miracle. You can't buy a healing. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy the presence of God. Except to say that, How you express what's in your heart is what opens a door for the supernatural. And man, he went for it. And when his reign came to an end and his son Solomon took the throne, Solomon picked right up where David left off and he went to work. David gave the money. Solomon went to work and they brought in the silver and the gold and the cedar and the fabrics and every detail of this was so attended to. And he went to work, not just for a day or two, a week or month. It took years, years. How many know it's, it's easy to get excited about something in the beginning, but when it starts taking longer and maybe longer than you thought it would, It's easy to grow weary in well-doing, like we read a moment ago. But man, he stuck with it. And when you get to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the chapters leading up to it, Solomon has just been praying. When they finished the building of the temple, they finished it. Somebody say they finished it. Sarah and I have been involved in a couple of building projects in our life. Not too many, but I will say this. It's easy to work to get to a place 
where it's good enough. Everybody ever, ever experienced that before? Maybe you're building a house, right? And it's taken longer than you wanted it to. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I know we want a carpet. We'll, we'll walk on concrete. It's fine. Um, do, babe, do we have to have paint on the walls? No paint. You know what I mean? You, you get to a place where it's like, let's just get in it. If you've ever done that before, then you know as well as I do. That's a dangerous place. Because you come to a place where you're tired of building, right? You're tired of the mess. I just want to lay in my own bed, right? But I believe one of the things that honored God the most about this was they finished the work. They stuck with it all the way to the end. No matter how much money it cost or how much time it took, they finished it. Somebody say, they finished it. That's a big deal to God. And when Solomon in verse one of chapter seven, second Chronicles chapter seven, verse one, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down. God's into this. <laughs> fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, say it with me, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it again. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, we started a series and we've been calling it The Fire and the Glory. Now bear with me because I think I sense a title change coming. <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. I don't know if you knew that or not. Let's just follow the Lord here in this. Been talking about the glory of the Lord. And this is what we're so excited about, so stirred up about as we press towards dedication weekend. But I, I feel like you need to understand this. What we're, we're not pressing towards a moment where we're expecting just to see something naturally. We're not talking about getting to May 22nd, May 23rd, or any other date on the calendar, and then everybody kind of looking around going, is the fire falling? Is the fire falling? I, I, I mean, I, I've told it to you before, and I would be thrilled with however the Lord wants to manifest himself. But like I said before, we spend a lot of time and work on this place. I would actually prefer fire not to fall. <laughs> if he wants to do it, he can do it. Now, he is famous for setting stuff on fire without it burning, so that's fine if he wants to do that. But what I'm trying to get you to see here is what, what, what we're focused on is the glory of God, the presence of God manifested in any way he sees fit. And not just on a day of the calendar, but what we're pressing towards is the beginning of something that lasts forever. The beginning of something that has lasting effect. I believe we'll be able to come to that place as we dedicate this to the Lord and to his service, having already met for the last several months, we'll be able to say, man, we came up that day. We came up after that. And the presence of God just got stronger and stronger in the church. And every time we gathered together, it was just stronger among us. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're anticipating. 
And what this was on this day, the manifestation of the glory of God. Remember what we said the glory was? It's the heavy. This is what the word literally means, glory. It literally means heavy, weighty presence of God. It's heavy. And in this place and other places in scripture, it was literally physically heavy to the place where they couldn't even stand up underneath it. It's the atmosphere of heaven invading the atmosphere of earth and changing the very makeup of the air around you. And they couldn't even stand up under it. It's the heavy, weighty presence of God. But it also has to do with how weighty it is to you. When you look in the scripture, and even now today, when you talk about weight, you're talking about something of value. You're talking about how you value something. Have you ever heard the expression, give weight to it? What you're saying is, I give value to that. There are some people you hear talk and you give no weight to what they say. It's just based on what you know about them or any number of factors. They say it and it's like, well... Maybe, but probably not. It's kind of what you're thinking. There are other people, though. You've experienced this, right? You know them. You trust them. You trust either their knowledge or their experience or, or their, you trust their relationship with God. You trust them. And because they said it, you give weight to it. What does that mean? It means I value that. I value your words to the place where they'll influence and impact my life. And you put enough weight in what somebody says, you'll make a decision, a life decision, based on just what they said. That's giving weight. Well, another way of saying that is that's giving honor. Honor. And the reason I say that is because often through the scriptures, the same word translated glory is translated honor because they mean the same thing. Value, weight, to give weight to it. We looked at this verse in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Well, I'm moving too fast. The, when we look here at what happened in 2 Chronicles 7, this manifested presence of God, here's what I want you to start thinking about the glory of God. It's God on display. God on display. So when you get to 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse 30, the Bible says, The Lord God of Israel says... I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. Now, this is a man of God that God sent to the high priest Eli at that time. And there were some bad things, some wicked things going on in Eli's house, the house of the priest. And it was spilling over in the way his sons were conducting themselves in the, in the uh, tabernacle, in the services. They were robbing people's offerings. There was uh, immorality going on, adultery, fornication, all of this at the doing of the priest's sons, his own family. Now, God had spoken in generations before that to the tribe of Levi and the ones that he had set up as priests, and he made promise to them. And this is what he's talking about. I said, indeed, your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. How many know that's a, that's a high place? That's a privilege. That's an honor. And God had already put in place 
such blessing for the priest and such blessing for his family. I mean, he took such marvelous care of these people that there was no shortage. They never supplied. They didn't go hungry. They didn't go unclothed. They were always provided for. But yet his sons, in their greed and covetousness, went after more and more and more. And God had enough of it. And that's why he said, you know, I made a promise that your house and, and, and your, the house of your father would walk before me. But this is what he said. But now the Lord says, far be it from me for those who honor me. What did he say? I will honor. But then he said, those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. When we hear the word despise, our immediate thought is, ooh, gross, I hate that. But you really get a better sense of what that actually means when he says, you despise me, you'll be lightly esteemed. Really, to despise something is really just to give very little weight to it. Not think much of it. So take what you know about honor and what you know about glory. It's that heaviness, it's that weightiness. And what God is saying is, those who give weight to my things, I'll give weight to their things. Hmm? Though, those who find my things valuable, I find their things valuable. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who, this, I, I just got to say it and hope you get it. Those who give me glory, what's he going to do? He'll give you glory. But you see, on the other hand, what he's talking about, those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Those who don't put any weight to this, those who don't value this, those who don't think enough of this to give it any time, to, to sow anything into it, those who could take or leave it. And again, he's not just talking about people who hate it or are violently against it. It's just people who are kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. You go to church? Uh, sometimes. You see what I'm saying? People who don't think enough of it to put value and weight in it. And then finally, we looked at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 16, he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now listen to these words. For our light affliction. Now remember, all the verses leading up to this. Remember we talked about this. We're pressed on every side. Remember we talked about that just a couple of weeks ago. Hard pressed, pressured on every side. He said, we're pressed, but we're not crushed. He said, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Now listen, to, he, he's talking about the condition they were in. Uh, pressed and persecuted and perplexed and struck down. This doesn't sound like your best life now, does it? <laughs> well, it's all in how you look at it, though. Because this is the same chapter and just a few verses before it where you read down into it until he says, our light affliction. When's the last time you called pressure from every side light affliction? 
When's the last time you called being perplexed and being persecuted and being struck down? Oh, that's, that's light affliction. Let me give you a word to start using when these things come up. And I think it helps put what's going on in your life really in perspective. When, when the pressure sets in and you're being persecuted and you, and you got questions that you need answers to and you just feel struck down, here's how I want you to start responding to it. You ready? I'm not sure how to spell it. Write it in your notes however you want. But that's a good way to start responding to it. Can you say that with me? Say this after me. What are you saying? It ain't even worthy of English. It's not, it's not worthy of, it's certainly not worthy of my worship. But people are problem worshipers. Have you found that out? Why well, don't worship the problem? Well, let's, let's find out if you do. How much are you talking about it? How much are you thinking about it? How often are you sharing it with others who may or may not have asked? And let me just throw this in here while I'm making people mad. Social media is not where your emotions belong. That's not your place to vomit up your feelings about everything. Be bigger than that. Be more grown up than that. Are we worshiping the problem? Now we're not going, oh, problem, we worship you. Oh, problem, how great you are. We may not be saying those words, but the more you talk about it and the more you think about it and the more you meditate on it and the more you gripe about it and the more you complain about it, what are you doing? Oh, problem, how great are you? What does great mean? Big, heavy, weighty. You got to learn to do what the scripture said. What do you call it? Light, light affliction. That's not the title of this message, by the way. She's not the title. Although maybe it would be a good one. He said our light affliction, which is what? But for a, how long is this going to last? A moment but it's been going on days. Get some perspective. Get some perspective. Learn to call it a moment. And it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Exceeding and eternal weight. So what's he doing? He's comparing these two things. He's comparing what's going on naturally and what you can see and he's comparing that to what's going on in the spirit and in the realm you can't see. And he's saying one of these things is light and momentary. The other thing is exceedingly heavy and eternal. I mean, if something lasted 10 years, how long is that compared to eternity? Man, this has been going on for years 10 years, 12 years. Okay, we'll compare that to the next 10,000 
And how long is it? Momentary. Light and momentary. He said the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So I'm interested, after talking about this over the last several weeks, how do we get more of it? This glory, this manifested presence of God, this God on display in our lives. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.